Um, you want to do a count to three and then clap? Sure. All right. One, two, three. Perfect. Okay. Right. What's up? What's up? So, <laughs> what's up? Uh, what's up? Hello, peoples. Uh, my name is Tavi. And, and I'm Yusef. And we're doing a games podcast. It's a little bit fast and loose because it's our first time doing this thing, so bear with us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I'm Tavit, and I'm uh, I've been making video games and working in and around the games industry for about eight years now. I worked at Atari for a while, um, and then Kill Screen Magazine, it's a video games arts and culture magazine, and I've been consulting with lots of companies on that trend called gamification. But lifelong gamer, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm also a lifelong gamer, I suppose. I uh, I work professionally not in games, more in the motion graphics field uh, and broadcast. I kind of do a lot of Design and television work. I've been doing that for about ten years now. Um, and yeah. maybe like full disclosure, we went to high school together. So yes. <laughs> just that's so out there. So you're way back. Yeah, you know. yeah. Um, so I guess Yusuf, what have you been playing recently? Um, I've been playing Red Dead Redemption, which is uh, you know everyone should know that game, but it's a <laughs> it's a Rockstar's foray into the western kind of front they did Red Dead Revolver did they yeah yeah, Revolver? yeah they did yeah. Red Dead Revolver so I guess it was a sequel to that I never played that but um, I had played Red Dead Redemption you know when it first came out and really enjoyed it and I kind of wanted to revisit it because uh, it's just such a really enjoyable world to be part of like just w- kind of like, exploring that world and kind of uh, experiencing the tone and the aesthetics of it and I've been reading a western story called The Sisters Brothers uh, which is uh, kind of a short novel um I forgot the author, but um, it basically follows two like a Western-style assassins during their one of their missions, and uh, has really cool writing and a cool perspective, kind of noirish almost on the um, on the Western take, and it reminded me a bit of Red Dead, so I wanted to kind of dive back into that again. Oh, so yeah, sure. I've been uh, playing a little bit here and there, you know, when I could fit it in. I kind of had a save already that was sitting there where I was like it wasn't very far into it I was like I had done basically all like the, the ranching missions mm-hmm. and then I, I wanted to see if I could get through North America or through Texas um, and you know get to Mexico because there was that point you know where I, which is really funny like basically when, apparently once you get to Mexico a song starts playing that's also, and it's supposed to be this amazing moment oh it's so great and it didn't happen it for me it didn't trigger for you <laughs> yeah that's when terrible. I played it like because I think what happened was, like, because, you know, you're, there's a big gunfight, and, yeah. like, there's, like, a bunch of stuff happening when you're crossing the river, and I think I just, like, gotten off the horse before I started riding through Mexico. Oh, yeah, and I it, guess that'll and cut it, it didn't off. trigger. Yeah, it's a um, great song. It's this Jamie Liddell song, mm. um, Compass. It was, like, so perfect when I played through that game. I just loved that moment so yeah. much. It's like the first real climax of the game, or first denouement of the game. Yeah, yeah. And I missed it. You missed it. Well, it's worth and it's worth replaying the whole so, beginning just yeah, for that. That's moment. That's pretty much my goal. Is like once I get there, I'll probably stop playing because it's such a the game is very very long. Yeah, it is absolutely. Um, and uh, you know, I'm like you know, it's kind of enough to to enjoy the you know the first bit of it and kind of move on. Sure. It doesn't drastically change. Um, they I mean the environments are are all different and cool, but um, yeah, you know the the. You know, you can't beat Texas. No, that's, exactly. That's, that's the Western milieu. It's awesome. I think it was just such a great game for its writing. I'm glad that mm-hmm. like a, that you said like a short story or a novella brought you back to it because I thought it was like one of the most exceptional pieces of writing in any game of any genre that I've ever played. I mean, like there are those like standouts of like Portal, for example, is mm-hmm. like such a great script and such a great vocal performance. But that game just killed me. The writing mm-hmm. was so great. The characters were so well realized. Yeah. Um, 
I've been all over the place. Um, I've been obviously spending most of my time playing the game, which shall not be mentioned until later, (laughs) uh, a Star of Our Show. But then I've also been playing a lot of portable games. So Mm. since uh, Smash came out, I've been playing a heck of a lot of Smash Brothers on the 3DS. I'm psyched to try it on the Wii U. I haven't busted that out yet, and I really enjoyed that. Um, But I think, like, the type of Smash player I am, I, like, ate it up for, you know, 20 hours or so straight, and then I've kind of put it down, and Mm -hmm. I sort of save it for just versing my friends, so um, that's kind of just more of a distraction, but in the meantime, I also, I kind of, like, one-shotted Shovel Knight, which was Mm. awesome. I couldn't recommend that game more if you're, like, a fan of Mega Man and platforming-type games. Shovel Knight was really, really great. felt kind of like a love letter to, to retro games, and it was just mechanically really, really fun just the right level of challenge just the right amount of story for a portable i mean i experienced it as a portable game i know it's also available on consoles but it was just like just the right amount of story but it didn't get bogged down by it and it was really action heavy and fantastic and i so that was great um it's a fun game for sure i i I played it as well and i really liked the way they brought they it has a a decent story like for you know oh yeah a game of its type like it's like you know your basic damsel in distress kind of vibe but it kind of manages to flip it around at the end a little bit which is really neat well i loved how much shovel knight needed yeah shield yeah. knight like it was just this sense of like desperate it was loss. like a, basically a more fleshed out damsel in distress yeah you know, exactly it's like you're like okay it's not just like save the prince it's like also like it's like duo sky in distress. Bummed, you know yeah, like, let's, let's talk about his, the pathos let's yeah. talk about his like actually it's psyche. funny that you say that because like it's 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 funny how much pathos is established just from those um catch sequences yeah like when yeah. he's like dreaming and you have to like catch her. It just, it's amazing how much you can get from so little in terms of actual like inputs outputs. It's it was really great. And, and then you can play it out also like uh, you could swap now. I think yeah, you play as the shield knight after your first playthrough. I think yeah, yeah. I haven't. I actually haven't tried that. Yeah, I should go back to it. And speaking of actually, because you were saying that you had a save state that you went back to in Red Dead. It's actually one of like the craziest things about being a, a game player. I think since like, the NES generation on is, like, the idea that, like, you can come back to these save states that, like, they're they're kind of capturing a moment. It's like a time capsule in its own weird, weird way. And, like, I've recently just booted up my copy of Animal Crossing on the 3DS, and it's it's both wonderful and terrible to get back into my old save games there because, on the one hand, it's really cool to, like, see how I was decorating my house or what sort of different objects I had been sort of feverishly collecting the last time mm. I played it, like, many, many months ago. But at the same and time... Visiting the, a childhood home. <laughs> yeah, visit, it's almost like visiting a child. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, oh, I, don't, I, like, I totally forgot that I put this weird thing here or whatever. Um, but it also has a cost, because, like, you'll go back to that game, and, like, your villagers have, like... Some of them have, like, left town. Other ones are like, where have you been, dude? Like, there's weeds grown up everywhere that you have to, like, pull out if you want to, like, get back to, like sort of the best state really of the cool. town yeah I know that. so yeah there's like a cost and a reward for coming back to that so that was, that was kind of interesting getting back to to my animal crossing save state um and then of course replaying i do it every once any once every year and a half or so uh, i'm about to finish my playthrough again of metal gear solid 4 which mm-hmm. is like one of my favorite games of all time how long does that take uh, it's shorter and shorter every time. Like it's it's funny when you I've played it now you know five or six times um, through completion, and I think my save files just keep getting shorter. My like playthroughs keep getting shorter and shorter. Um, but it's it's primarily the the actual cutscenes, of course, because it's mm-hmm. a Kojima game. But it's the cutscenes that make my save files more than ten hours. I feel like if I speed run the game, I could probably beat it in a matter of like 
three, four hours, mm. maybe five hours. It's a short yeah. game, weirdly enough. No, that's totally like that happens. It's like uh, I w- well, we were just before this, we were playing a little Dishonored, mm. another game I've kind of your been... favorite game. <laughs> yes, exactly. We both have our we both have our kind of treasures that yes. we kind of come back to. Not, not guilty pleasures, just pleasure. Um, there is no guilt here. There's no guilt, there's no guilt at all. Zone. But yeah, it's the same thing with Dishonored. I'm kind of basically my goal is trying to uh, get to the DLC, at least the first part of the DLC, um, where you play as Dowd, who is the bad guy from the original game. Um, they, they give him his own story in the DLC, and uh, he has slightly altered powers. He can freeze in midair uh, when he does his blink, which really changes the game yeah, pretty was, substantially. It felt slightly OP. It was awesome. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, you're watching me play, and I got to the first level super fast, and there's like so much more to that level <laughs> yeah. like that you just never see, which is kind of amazing. That that, that like this one is one of those games where you can like because um, <clears throat> because of the verticality you can get through a level so quickly. Yeah. Like, I remember they were talking about um, when they were demoing it at E3, like, people would, like, get through a level in two minutes that was meant for, like, a 15-minute demo, yeah. and then, like, they'd be like, is this right? <laughs> <laughs> they were like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's about it. That's true. Like, the, the tower level, like, in mm-hmm. the main game, where you're, or the Tower of Dunwall, where you kind of go through that bridge. Yes, and, like, I remember that. The bridge has so much verticality to it that you can kind of hop from roof to rooftop, hit the bridge, and, like, just like cover so much ground really fast because of the blink mechanic that you can yeah the the variability of how long that game takes is kind of crazy it is actually i i I think the last time i experienced something that was a game that was so flexible that it had that much breadth to it uh, of possibilities for getting through the critical path was like crisis 2 i remember because i'm i'm like a really i love stealth gameplay like if there's a stealth route and if there's a no kill route i love taking it Mm -hmm. that's just like the way i've always loved to play games since like the original metal metal gear solid um but in crisis 2 i realized that i almost it was almost too much of a good thing because the game really gave you uh an assault you know guns blazing route to take but it also every situation had a stealth way out and i remember just a few missions in realizing that because of the game engine's flexibility about the critical path and my own, you know, sort of preference towards stealth, I was actually, like, basically no conflicting through the game. Mm. And it, it was wonderful mm-hmm. in a way, but it was it was almost too much of a good thing because I, I realized I was like, oh, is that, the, that was the end of the level. Like, yeah. I didn't see a single enemy or, like, mm. a single enemy didn't see me. Like, mm. I was just, I have not fired my gun once. Yeah, yeah. It was basically that invisible cloaking power. Yeah, that, and that power crouching gives through so much, the entire like, game. Options. Crisis 2. Crisis it was interesting. Two. It wasn't my favorite game. Uh, I didn't even finish it, I don't think. But Yeah, some of the game that kind of like, it kind of drags on a bit toward the end where you're like, yeah, I get the point of this game. <laughs> I've done this. Yeah. And the last level is kind of interesting because you're like fighting on like Central Park, like, but oh. it's like been ripped up out of the ground, so it's floating in midair. Badass. <laughs> it's like such a crazy idea for a level, but eh. So yeah, that's what we've been playing. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's time to finally mention the game with no name. The star of this uh, this episode or this uh, podcast for us right now is yeah. Wolfenstein: The New Order by Machine Games. By Machine Games. Yes. Um, and we their first game as a studio. Yeah, it's their yeah. first game. A lot of those guys were. Um, they were from the other the Starbreeze Studios, and Starbreeze Studios actually, weirdly enough, I worked with those guys on the Riddick games mm-hmm. um, at just maybe the year that I left Atari. We had come out with 
um, Escape from Butcher Bay. Or wait, no, maybe it was the other one. It was the other, the Dark Athena game, but it was bundled with Butcher Bay. So Starbreeze, incredible studio, super, super talented. The Riddick games are great. If you haven't checked those out, check those out. And those, a lot of those guys, a lot of the key staff from Starbreeze ended up going over and starting the studio Machine Games. And Machine Games' first game was Wolfenstein in the Order. All that, all that to say, basically, that there are, I think, some weird comparables, like com- comparisons between Wolfenstein and Riddick that could be made, uh, and some major differences as well. But uh, I just wanted to bring that up because the mm-hmm. staff that made this game are incredible. Those guys, having worked with them, they're like one of the most talented group of game developers that I've ever worked with anyway. Super, super cool. Super good at what they do. Very thoughtful developers. And I think a lot of thought went into Wolfenstein. Like, what were your sort of general impressions of the game as a game before we get into, like, the deeper analysis? Sure, of it? Like, yeah. how did you, how did you, did you enjoy it? Do you like the game? Yeah, I did. Uh, it felt like a very um, kind of cohesive shooter in a, in a world, or in a market of kind of shooters that had really been disappointing for a long time, you know, like, at least in the first person spectrum. So much of uh, first-person shooting has been kind of focused on multiplayer, like mm. kind of cult, trying to copy Call of Duty, trying to, you know, hit that market. And then, you know, this game comes along, and it's pretty much, you know, like, you know, something like Half-Life, you know, where it's yeah. like it's a the the single-player experience is what they're going for here, and the single-player is, you know, story-driven, um, you know, level-based, just like kind of kind of a return to form, kind of a classic vibe. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed having that. Um, I mean, along the lines of kind of even Metro too. Metro was another. Oh yeah, that's a great comparison. Um, the another shooter, yeah, that kind of single player shooter that was very like atmospheric and kind of had like just like kind of even the aesthetic has a lot of overlap too as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I I definitely enjoyed it. I have I thought found the story to be kind of a, a little long winded for sure. Um, it's kind of the way that it was paced. But it was, I mean, the the writing for the most part was was pretty funny and like pretty smart, and a lot a lot more efficient than kind of a lot of games tend to be. Like there wasn't too much kind of sitting and you know talking to me of the characters yeah. where they kind of like ex, you know do, you know ex, extrapolate the story and or just give me the backstory and, and the lore. Like um, I enjoy the stealth a lot. Um, I've, I I had I liked having that as an option um, in, in kind of in an engagement. You kind of go into a room and you can take out a lot of the guys before it becomes a firefight and if you're good enough you can take it out before it ever becomes a firefight right. which is pretty neat and while it was a lot less fleshed out than you know a more directed stealth experience like like a, a Metal Gear or Dishonored even or, mm-hmm. or, or Splinter Cell like it was um, it was like a great addition to a shooter that didn't feel at odds with the the um, the tone of the shooter, which was pretty cool, because the shooter, it's Wolfenstein, you know, it's like kind of gung ho, um, Superman going around uh, killing Nazis. Like, there doesn't seem to be much room for a subtlety in that yeah. in that aesthetic. But at the same time, it, you know, you it it sets it up as like this like this good um, tactic to it's like almost like not spy, but behind enemy lines. Mm-hmm outgunned outmanned like you're by yourself and it adds a little element of of kind of not realism but i guess war movie 
machismo. Tension. Yeah. yeah, it's machismo. Yeah, exactly. You're still you're somehow you're you're doing stealth, but you're being macho about it. Yeah, it is. It's very macho yeah. stealth. I thought it was really interesting too, because my personal bias is like I'm actually not a huge fan of shooters, like first person shooters mm-hmm. in general. Um, you know, I've skipped out on the Call of Duty craze. I don't really play. I, I you, more and more the market is demanding that I play FPSs because that's becoming like one of the orders of the day. But um, with that personal bias aside, I really I enjoyed the mechanics of the game. I thought it was this interesting thing where you're, you're absolutely right. The stealth was kind of underdeveloped. It wasn't a stealth game, but it gave you the opportunity to at least minimize the firefight before it got completely out of hand. There was that whole thing where like each of the some of the key rooms would have those like commanders or like you know, whatever in there that you, if you killed them, you'd never trigger an alarm state and never get the backup soldiers coming in, which is really cool. Um, but I felt, I felt like it was interesting because even mechanically, it was a game that was fighting itself in a lot of ways because you have this stealth mechanic as underdeveloped as it might be. It was still very useful and very good in a game whose heritage is all about running through corridors, guns blazing. This was like Wolfenstein was a pre-cover shooter just like Doom, and I mean, I played a lot of Wolfenstein and a lot of Doom 2 back in my day, and it was just this, it was almost a, a shooter of attrition, you know? That's why they kept so many items for health pickups and ammo pickups. Like, the game was almost like a spreadsheet of losing life, gaining life, losing ammo, gaining ammo, and like each encounter, you were almost guaranteed to get shot and your ammo and your life reduced, but then in every encounter as well, you would learn to scour the environment looking for those pickups, and that's something that weirdly embracing the trends of today while having to pay homage to its origin as this like pre-cover shooter. So there was this feature like the the dual wielding feature which I like never once used because I was playing the game as conservatively as I possibly mm-hmm. could as like a triple A action movie star. <laughs> like yeah. I'd like running through these corridors and being like blasting all these dudes but then yeah, quieting it down, trying mm-hmm. to stealth through a certain corridor and being like, well these are two different types of experiences that are not opposed to each other, but are certainly creating a, a certain amount of like mechanical friction with each other. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's some kind of friction happening when you have a dual wielded sniper rifle. Yeah, right. <laughs> dual wielded sniper rifle. You can't even scope. It's like it's like, only for is, no scopes. You know, like the game. What is this? Yeah. It's like what is this game? How does one dual wield? How does one dual wield a thing, a weapon that is meant to be <laughs> aimed? Yeah, at? exactly. Uh, and it, yeah, I mean, I did use dual wield. I mean, if, if only because it felt like I, I should. And there were points where it was really effective, especially with the shotguns. Mm. Like, I basically, the shotgun was this really overpowered, not overpowered mechanically, but, like, you know, very powerful very device. Very powerful, yeah. I love the shotgun. Um, and two of them were just kind of obliterate anything. Like, so, like, in certain cases where I was kind of overwhelmed with, with powerful enemies, like, kind of... Yeah, those guy, armored dudes, yeah, for power, sure. The armor shotgun guys, which are the, my, the bane of my gaming yeah, fucking the, experience. I died to those dudes I hated more them so than much. anybody. I'm glad that I have that in common. Yeah, they were just, like, so, just me. so terrible. Yeah. Even with the dual shotgun, you could kind of go up to them and just, like, shoot them so many times in the face, because, like, you only hit them from behind. When, right. Um, so, like, that... You have, have to hit them from behind to injure them, so, like, you could, but you could still, through attrition, destroy them with, like, the dual wheel shotgun so yeah. I kind of I would sometimes use it um, as a way to kind of brute force an area you know mm-hmm. and yeah it's like a, a part of that was also embracing the chaos of um, embracing the Wolfenstein mentality yeah it's kind of like it's like forcing you to switch your switch your play style yeah, in I this really so. dramatic way like kind of reminds me of a little bit of the Hotline Miami like um, in the way that game rewards chaotic play where it's yeah. like 
you know, there's the Call of Duty pop up and shoot and go back into cover style, and then there's like run into the middle of everything yeah. and hope that you can kill everybody before they take you down. And when that works, it's like it's a great feeling. It's very cathartic and, and totally. a, a fun gameplay experience. So like, um, I think that's what the dual wield was there for. Um, and I think the main issue with it was there wasn't enough of a learning curve on it maybe yeah just like there was, there was enough of a teaching there was never a moment, moment where the game required you to dual wield just yeah, like that early exactly. moment i think it, it frustrated both of us for the first time you had to take a running jump to like yeah bail out of one plane onto the wing of another and that yeah. was like i died like three times just trying to figure out how to do a run and jump because it was still like very early mechanically but then having learned that i was using that that long you know quick jump basically mm -hmm. at many points throughout the game but yeah there was never that moment where they taught you the sort of the reason why the game wants you to dual wield um yeah. i also thought just on a sort of tech purely technical note like from a game design and from a engine uh structure standpoint there was like i mean id or id's tech 5 engine was used to make the game and i played the game on the ps3 and honestly like there were many many times where the whatever the process of buffering in the textures in the environment that they used for the PS3 version was just so broken. Mm -hmm. Like it, it felt like the game was constantly streaming. Mm -hmm. So I would it had this unfortunate effect where if I stood still and stared at a wall or a table or an object long enough, the texture would like the full res texture would pop in. But the moment that I turned my head or moved away from that area, everything would kind of go back to this like almost like the low graphic setting version of the game which was just running constantly in the background so like downloading an image yeah it just came modem exactly like, <laughs> yeah it felt very ee -E -E, and it yeah. was just like it, it took me out of the it was a beautiful game when it was fully loaded yeah um even on the ps3 but the problem was i think the only way to fully load any texture was to stand still and stare at it mm -hmm. and this is less of like a coding issue it's more of just like a game design you know bells and whistles kind of thing the whole game felt very, not floaty, but it felt like there was no weight. And maybe I've become spoiled because I played the PT demo on the PS4. The head movement, the naturalistic head movement that's going on in, in the PT demo, it made me feel as, and the lack of it in Wolfenstein, really just moving, I felt like I was floating through a dream with no weight. And I know that that's a part of the aesthetic probably of being a badass who like can carry 27 weapons at once and whatever. But the combination of like zero sort of tactile, visual tactile feedback on movement and the fact that there's so much loot gathering in the game, mm -hmm. but it's loot gathering um, a la sort of any other Bethesda published game, which is just like object is sitting in front of you, press the activate button to collect it, object disappears from view. And when, we, when you were just playing through uh, Dishonored, uh, right before we started recording, I realized how amazing it was that the little, tiny little step that they had an object that you loot fly towards the screen and then disappear mm -hmm. in that split second really just makes it feel that much more weighty and physical and tactile. Yeah, like the, the sound thing was funny because whenever you eat food in, the, in that game, you kind of have the crunching noise. Yes. And have the, and, but then you also see the, the food flying at your face. Yeah. But, it's, but it creates like almost a comedic effect where you're just like, <laughs> you're just like things are flying at you like from like you know eating like whale whale tin whale yeah, fish yeah, food yeah, like yeah. And it's like dog food blah blah blah, 
and it's just like all kinds of food are flying at your face and you go you can never eat too much of it yeah. like they don't like do a cap where it's like helpful no more food yeah <laughs> which wolfenstein kind of does and it's kind of annoying when it does that too yeah. like when you're, you're like just let me pick it up wolfenstein you know just like let it not do anything because like you're kind of you're going on things and you're like like you know too much armor too much health yeah exactly and like, it creates like a distract it's like it's a distraction because you kind of go through that bit of the game that bit of the level and you turn around and you're like oh there's more stuff it's like oh no I think yeah. I don't need it and you're just like kind of constantly trying to remember if you tried to pick it up before and you played the game on PC right yeah so you didn't have any of those like texture pop in problems uh, was... no no technically it was it was really it, was, it ran pretty well good. it ran well and it looked good the PC was the way to do it yeah and I looked at <laughs> comparables like I just did like a let's play um, yeah. for the PS4 and Xbox One versions they look beautiful as well with yeah. so I, I feel like it's just like a last gen current gen issue yeah I mean, guess on, like, the, the it was a pretty low priority for them yeah of course, of course. they probably had some like other company like port it like they tend maybe to do. yeah they could I mean, in theory I think it's the that's also just a question of the id tech 5 engine because like yeah. it's how it ports out and how it handles like such high res textures but is it a new engine? Uh, yeah, I think that's their that's their new engine. At least as recent, maybe it was Rage used it. I don't know if Rage used it. I can't remember how old it is. I'll I'll look that up. Um, but it's their newest. It's their newest engine. Um, yeah, the other th- thing mechanically was that I think the problem with dual wielding was it also created too many options for selecting weapons, and I really kind of that's true. That system was not ideal yeah, the weapon wheel. Yeah, the weapon wheel was just not. I mean, it was not great. Like yeah. it was really hard to select weapons. And to figure out which one you were selecting, so that kind of created a lot of awkward moments in firefights where I was like, "What? I have a gun, and I want to pick another gun, and then I pick like the laser gun that's out of ammo, and then I have to like pick. I guess I'll just do dual pistols because then did it by accident. <laughs> Here I am, yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Pew, 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 and it didn't let you do dual silencers, right? It was just dual. You pistol. could do dual oh, silencers, cool. but it was like for the pistol. ultimate in stealth overkill. <laughs> <I know. laughs> you were so dead, bro. You didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even hear it. Take a page out of the assassin, or what was it the Hitman? Uh, exactly, yeah. It's yeah, almost like Hitman the Hitman. Book. Except it doesn't look. It's like the gun is so clunky and chunky. Yeah, the was. pistol, like it's probably my least favorite looking gun because it's sure. like it's like just. I mean, pistols tend to never look that great, but it's like kind of it. That pistol was just kind of weird. Um, well, and, to the game's credit as well, yeah. though. I mean, I was just knocking it a little bit on the technicality side, but all, the, some of the great things that the game did was. All of the autosave checkpoints were beautifully placed, and I know that's like sometimes it's one of those things where if you if it's done really well, no one notice, comment. Yeah. yeah, you don't notice mm-hmm. it, and it was done super super well. There was never a moment where I was unfairly tossed back. There was never a moment where I felt like I like this was, again. Yeah, exactly. It was like this again. There were actually even a couple of moments where I felt like the game kind of cheated itself. There were a couple of encounters that I died, and a key enemy that killed me the last time around had disappeared. I think my my question is would would you have played this game through to completion should, had it not been our subject for this podcast? You know, did you enjoy it enough to get through it? Yes, absolutely. Um, I wanted to reach a conclusion. I mean, I tend to, especially with um, story driven shooters, I usually tend to finish them, even if I'm not super enjoying them. Like, um, I you know, uh, the, say Battlefield, like the fourth one had a campaign mm-hmm. aside, apart from the multiplayer and I played that to the end even though it was just a very mediocre experience like there was nothing new about it it was completely aping uh, Call of Duty sure that's um, what I heard yeah I know and it. in a way that it was just like it wasn't very exciting it wasn't very interesting so but you know it's short enough it was short enough that I could kind of push through yeah um, 
And while Wolfenstein was long for that kind of game, I think, apart from a few, like, pacing, from pacing, sometimes dragging, like, it was still fun to the end. There was still, like, a lot of interesting levels to experience. Like, I really enjoyed the uh, the bridge level. Oh, the bridge was great, because yeah. Because it was uh, just a really, it was like, they really just changed up, like, how the how you were traversing around a level, like, instead of a linear uh, or corridor-based kind of um, traversal, you were kind of falling down train cars and, like, kind of going up to the second floor of a car and shooting at the windows. Yeah, that was um, great. Yeah, sort of, yeah. The deconstructing of just the linear... It's it's not even, like... It, it was incredibly linear, but did not feel so. It was, like, twisted yeah. back on itself and yeah. back on itself. It was it's very, great. like, kind of... Yeah, it was, it was very... Uh, a lot of switchbacks and yeah. a lot of um, kind of not knowing where the enemy was coming from and enemies like having, having verticality and being kind of high up or below you. So, yeah, just having that um, kind of switch of, of the game's um, kind of basic loop like was really interesting. Though it did have some moments of frustration like the part right after you jump out back out of the helicopter onto it mm-hmm. again and you're and like you have to fight all these rocket guys oh yeah i was just like this is ridiculous i was like i don't know where to go game that was drawing me and it's funny because i actually think that the level design is what kept me invested in the mm-hmm. game more than any single feature mm. the map uh the way that they handled the map was actually quite brilliant you were given a sort of large overview of the like you you would hit the map mode you'd see where you were and the direct area around you would be uh fleshed out or mapped Mm -hmm. out you would Mm -hmm. actually see it uh all the outlines of the walls and the areas you would go to but then there was this all the maps fit on a single screen um so you could almost get a sense of where you hadn't been yet and in my sort of completionist light way of playing every game i love seeing everything that the designers and the coders have put into a game environment even if i don't like 100% a game so I loved that I could just be in this weird secret filled secrets filled environment and um, have this weird sense of uh, a completion bar as my map like I'd be like oh I just haven't been to this darkened area yet like Mm -hmm. let me just go there even though I know the exit of the level is right here Mm -hmm. so that that really worked for me I haven't seen that room yet yeah yeah I also have to say I think if it weren't for the assignment of making that game our podcast focus, I probably would not have made it all the way through the game. Only because, and this maybe might lead us to like talking more about like the narrative side of things, I felt like the game was incredibly slow to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and it extended, I think, well beyond the fourth or fifth mission, where I still felt like the game was introing. And I was like, well, how long could this possibly go on? Mm-hmm. Um, I kept on... I don't know, I guess, are we, are we ready to talk about narrative stuff? Yeah, is let's that, do it. All right, so basically, like, I, this is a tough one. I kept on, I kept on wanting, <laughs> it's really weird to say this, I kept on wanting the Nazis to be more Nazi. Mm-hmm. Like, that was my central problem or issue with the game, was that there was this assumption of history or knowledge of history uh, that the game was making for our audience. Now, I studied human rights in college, which is a really weird thing to lead into video games, but I studied human rights in college, and I think even if I had not, everyone knows the Nazis are bad, right? Nazis equal bad. It's it's almost like a high school argument, you know, saying that Nazis are the worst things ever. But in this game, the Nazis aren't a coincidence. You know, they're the central narrative 
like enemy. They're the bad, bad, bad guy. Not just of history, but of this game's history. And I, f I kept on wanting to see more evidence of evil. Now, it was, it was everywhere, right? It, they had references. The game had tons of references to the various flora and fauna of evil that the real Nazis had committed. There were references to weird medical experiments and torture. There were references to concentration camps and uh, of, of ethnic cleansing. But nowhere in the game, it was almost like playing it safe, as if you might offend a real Nazi. There wasn't like a one-to-one, -one, like Hitler barely ever appeared. And I was like, yeah, where is, like, I want to punch Hitler <laughs> in his mustache. And yeah. that, I never got the sort of cathartic, uh, truer, historically accurate connection to real evil. Yeah. I also feel like they didn't do a good job at establishing death. What the hell was it? Oh, name? Death's Head. Death's Death, Head, yeah. yeah as like head. this like, kind of the compelling main, villain. The main villain, yeah. Because you only see him in the beginning and end of the game. Yeah, that's and it. And every other part of the game is not there, which is so super weird. Like, yeah. it's like, what do you want me to do, game? Like, why... Why is this guy the bad guy? Why is he the bad guy? Why am I... Why is the end supposed to feel cathartic? Why am I... Like, when I kill him, am I, as a player, am I supposed to, like, you know, uh, have some kind of full circle or um, feel like I've completed a journey? And, and killing him, and I don't think I, that necessarily came across. Yeah, and another thing the game does is, and similarly, I think it was also this weird dissonance between who I imagine Blaskowitz, the main character, this like mega Nazi killing super soldier guy. I almost he's so rough and tumble and gravelly voice and like like the guy gargles with whiskey, almost <laughs> so much so that I never fully believed or trusted the narrative. Uh, aspects of love like his interest in Anya or whatever her name mm -hmm. was um, he basically has a love interest that's introduced very early in the game uh, the game basically says it's 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 quite in a weird way not too much unlike Dishonored insofar as it's like a retro futuristic kind of game in the game you're Blaskowitz you're blasting your way through World War II uh, you're knocked out in this crazy operation and you're basically a vegetable you're mm -hmm. alive but you're in a coma state um, or not even a coma state, but you're just like conscious, but like not connected. You're a vegetable. Um, and then history zooms forward something like, I don't know, 14 years, something like that. And the Nazis have basically taken over the world. So it's a, it's a, it, it could have been a very fun, like counterfactual. And actually you were mentioning that's one of the things the game does best is littering the environment with a lot of bonus materials that like keep, that make good on the, the fictive idea of like, what if the Nazis did win World War Two? Yeah, the narrative. Yeah, yeah. so Blasco basically, Blasco, it's Blasco as he's affectionately known mm -hmm. by his comrades in the game. Blasco wakes up, you know, 14 years later, basically to the sight of this beautiful nurse that was caring for him for those 14 years. Her, like, boss, I guess her, like, parents or her grandparents? I think those are her parents. Her parents yeah. yeah, her parents are, like, killed by these Nazis that come to, like, basically shut down the hospital that Blaskowitz is being held in. Um, and this is what brings him out of his vegetable state. That this woman that cared for him for 14 years, her parents get killed in front of all their eyes, um, and he snaps out of it to, like, put a knife through the face of the Nazi that shoots him. So I, I just couldn't, I did not connect with that moment. And thus, that's kind of one of the main sort of motivations for the character to, like, go on this crazy quest to find Death's head and murder him or whatever. Or does that happen later? That happens later. <laughs> um, I, like, he kind of always wants to kill Death's head. You know, in the very beginning, he's like, want to kill this guy, and they, they fail at it. Yeah. So, you know, it's almost, it kind of reminds me a little bit, too, of um, that third Batman movie, uh, because that kind of weird 
additive like uh, hero journey where um, it's so linear. Like you know, he kind of he fights the bad guy, loses, fights him again, but harder. Yeah, know? yeah. He just, like punches him more. Punches him, <laughs> and then he wins. Like that's literally like the lesson we we take yeah. away from that engagement. And I think this is very similar in this case where it's like we got to kill Death's Head. You know, that's it. Why? <laughs> like, because he's evil. Yeah, and I want to like, kill him. You know, we like. Uh, the idea in the very beginning that was compelling to me was that he, that Blaskowitz was this relic of the past in a world that was controlled by Nazis. It's like this horror-filled alt-history world that, you know, when you think about it, how could he as one person or even a small group of people reverse that history? Yeah, reverse history. I thought like a cooler, a more interesting direction would have been, you know, if, you know, the if you had failed as a, if your mission had failed like yeah. you know the the hopelessness of trying to reverse history like you, you can't go back especially yeah. when something this catastrophic happens so like but that is literally what they're trying to literally what they're trying to do um and we're let's believe they succeeded that so it's kind of i thought um missed the opportunity to tell a more complex story absolutely um, yeah i definitely yeah. felt like the thing like the sort of the narrative conceit of the game or conceits of the game were certainly a missed opportunity like the mechanics of the game were great it was a really fun game to play but over and over again as i was playing through the game my maybe my my deep knowledge of the atrocious things that the nazis actually committed based on my studies of human rights um kept on honestly the the, the thing that i could compare this game the most to strangely enough was um, Eichmann in Jerusalem, which is this uh, book by Hannah Arendt, where basically Eichmann was this like the, known as quote unquote like a desk murderer. He was like a uh, an administrator for the Nazis, and he pushed a lot of papers, um, and he carried out a, a, from an administrative standpoint the organized slaughter of genocide of tons and tons of people. Like he pushed papers, he got records moved, and. Eichmann in Jerusalem, the book by Hannah Arendt, was really interesting because it didn't it deconstructed uh, what the International Criminal Tribunal was doing at the time. The ICT was basically painting him to be really evil, this like deeply rooted, deeply evil person. But in the book, what was really interesting was that uh, Hannah Arendt basically presented him as just just a dude, just a guy who was banal. His his he was not personally motivated, and this is her argument. There have been many different people that have argued that he was, in fact, a terrible anti-Semite and all this stuff. But her argument was essentially that his evil was way more banal, that he was just a guy who understood and repeated the cliches of Nazism at the time. He was a person who was operating under the law of his state and was carrying out his job as a job. And weirdly enough, the reason that this kept on coming back to me, the game was very similarly employing a lot of cliched uh, tropes from the Nazi like experience and, and terror, but never really going far enough for me to like create this truly compelling uh, motivation. Like these guys, like in the same game, the Nazis not only reached the moon, but they set up a moon base. And that was like one of the craziest moments of the game. Yeah. You're like, I'm on the moon now. And yeah. it's like built up and developed. And, and, and they're I, talking about traveling to further regions yeah, space. Yeah, like, yeah, we can do this. And like in a weird way, like I, I love the point that you were making where it's like, is Blaskowitz the bad guy? Like, can we explore that theme a little bit more? Where like, yes, the Nazis are pure evil. And we as Americans or Westerners or uh, students of history or people who have been born today, we associate Nazis with the bad guys. I'm not associating in any, I'm not saying in any way that they're good guys, but... 
in this games universe. They the reached, pragmatic reality. Yeah, the pragmatic reality yeah. is like they took over. Yeah. They're terrible, but they reached the moon. Mm-hmm. And it's like Blazkowicz is this one-man army, like you said, trying to like reverse, change the course of history. Yeah, I was thinking of it in terms of uh, transform the story into something more complex would be, yeah, in the perspective of, say, Native American during American imperialism where you are, you're fighting as hard as you can to kind of undo what has happened. But, you know, after... You know, say in American history, like, you know, once all the diseases of the European settlers had set in, there was no going back. There's no, yeah, you the know. genie was out of the bottle. Like, they, you know, there was this mass um, death of, you know, every Native people on the continent. And, like, you know, they, there were some who managed to band together and, like, make a concentrated effort to kind of, to, to beat back the, the, the tide. But, you know, it was, it was impossible. And... I think that could be like that would be a really interesting angle to re to reimagine then you know what would what how would that then take place in the world like net like today or like in the forties like in America in in that role or another you know country in that role you yeah know? the idea of like being cast as like um, this almost backward people yeah and because, it's interesting because you know, both of us keep on in our own ways we're both reaching for a deeper almost like a deeper meaning for the game or, or ascribing a deeper meaning for the game were both seemingly missing from the experience. Like, it was an action movie. Like, the whole thing mm-hmm. was this really crazy action sequence. And within it, it's employing these tropes of what you and I understand as, like, the ultimate evil of history. And yeah, it was just... It was an incredible setup, incredible opportunity, but I feel like slightly a, a you know, a missed opportunity in it. I think it's worthwhile to bring up, you know, Glorious Bastards oh, and, sure, yeah. and comparison point because, I mean, to a certain extent, the movie does um, rely on kind of historical context to kind of set up the all the main tensions of the of the plot. The, while you know there are examples of Nazis being evil, we're still like, kind of expected to bring a little bit of our historical kind of understanding of of the enemy in the movie, you know, and mm-hmm. and and that's almost what makes it. What continue? What allows it to kind of maintain a comic comic booky vibe of like yeah. kind of overblown action and blood and 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 kind of re- like a revenge fantasy um, kind of premise, which I think a lot of Wolfenstein is also playing on Absolutely. a little bit as well. Absolutely, yeah. and I think it's really interesting because on that sort of A to B comparison, Death's Head versus Christoph Waltz's Jew Hunter mm-hmm. character, yeah. like there's no comparison. Like no. Christoph Waltz, like, I mean, it's an Oscar-winning turn. Like, it was it was such a well-developed character, you know, due partly to Tarantino's great writing, but Christoph Waltz's performance versus Death's Head, who was just this, like, cartoonish sketch of an evil character versus, like, a fully developed evil. Like, there, I, I had no idea or no reason why Blaskowitz was so obsessed with him, obviously. There was this one scene early in the game, spoiler alert, where you're forced to choose which of your allies you have to kill. Like, Death, Death's Head's basically got you pinned to the ground, and he's like, you have to choose which one you're going to kill. And both Yusuf and I allowed the choice to time out once or twice mm. before we we um, made the choice. But that's it. That's kind of what you're given as the main meat. It's like, oh, they like made me choose which of my allies I'm going to kill. And it's, in a way, that's supposed to be the personal motivation, but it, it just felt like way underdeveloped mm. um, to me. Versus, you know, like, I think it's a great comparison for Inglorious Bastards, where it really goes not only into a fantastic revenge plot, but shows us a lot more of the gruesome inner workings 
of terror and terrible shit that we could have expected. And a lot of it is Christoph Waltz's amazing performance, of course. But yeah, it's kind of the uh, an evil, kind of a psychopathic evil, so twisted that it doesn't have kind of the uh, any kind of moral compass or self self consciousness. Like yeah. it, just like a good, yeah, a good character development of a twisted evil mind that gets the audience on your side. You know, gets the audience on the side of the the Americans and the German and the German Jew who like who fights yeah. back you know it, it, it sets up the revenge fantasy trope very well I think it has I think in terms of uh, complexity it suffers from the same problems potentially as Wolfenstein in terms of not really offering a nuanced um, story or look yeah. at, at, at Nazis or our interaction with them um, or anything outside of what happened historically like it's it really becomes it really um, kind of grabs on to I think the same goals that like that the golden age comics of of the time did which was to create something like like where superman came from which was essentially this character created by jewish american comic artists who were not necessarily in the war at the time who were too young maybe trying to find a a redemptive note creating a revenge fantasy of killing nazis creating this superhero that could kill nazis where when they couldn't you know yeah. when when americans were abroad dying in this war they were on the home front were just you know trying to create this story that made them feel a little bit better in this uh really messed up mm-hmm. messed up world and i think that that is a lot of where the root of blaskowitz comes from as a character for sure like you know he is he's a superman he is yeah a, absolutely a kind of re- a revenge force um a way to kind of regain a sense of dignity in in the face of just like you know a lot of a lot of evil shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. I actually, that was one of my... Oh, sorry. sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah that's it. I, one of my... I think the thing that I kept on coming back to, similarly, and you were comparing it to Superman, um, it was a really apt point because in, in the case of Superman or comic books, in the case of Wolfenstein and New Order, and even, I think, in the case of Inglorious Bastards, there's this weird fusion of legend and mythology. Like, a legend... Um, there tends to be like proof of a historical event or something like that that happened that the legend then plays upon or is based upon and in myth it's much further removed from any sort of historical event but if you kind of go down the checklist I'm, I'm looking at this page right now of legend versus myth a comparison chart it's interesting because stuff like superman and glorious bastards and wolfenstein most importantly they tend to be more myth than legend but using history using basically like the cliches of history it creates this weird one foot in each category uh standpoint where you're using history to not tell a a moral story or or create a a normative behavior or create even a community around post-history or whatever it's simply just using history to create like a like you're saying a superman or a a tale that's that's just satisfying in its own weird frame that serves no purpose to the historical groups that may have been affected by history, um, but comes from them and just enters the ether of like mythology. It's Blaskowitz is a myth, you know what I mean? He's like, there was no super soldier American powerhouse, there was no counterfactual where the Nazis won the war, and yet we can regularly, I mean, this, is, this was a huge trend before Call of Duty went into the future, like we would, as gamers, we've replayed World War II a million times. It's like mm-hmm. one of the most revisited historical settings of all time. 
Um, and yet in this case, we're not recreating the battle, you know, at Arnhem or anything like that, like the Microsoft game Bridge Too Far did, mm-hmm. like where it was like note for note recreation of like a real technical battle. We're not. Uh, we're in the new 3D Castle Wolfenstein, where mm-hmm. like secret passages abound and like Nazis and like those like you were mentioning it uh, when we were doing the warm up, like the sequences where like you'd actually get into a melee fight mm-hmm. in in the new Wolfenstein were hilarious. Yeah. It was like you and this dude stabbing each other in the <laughs> neck as many times as you could. So it's like it's just this very cartoonish uh, myth. Yeah, and all the ways that he gets brutally injured brutally. and comes back to life somehow yeah. like, for no reason. Yeah. Like and the guy like meat hooks him at the end and like injects him with some sedative and yeah, he's like he's I'm fine. I don't care I'm, I'm Superman am I done with the sequence where my vision's blurry because I'm yeah, about yeah. to kick the last boss's ass yeah <laughs> it was just very it was very light like the whole thing felt uh, light and easy that's that's. Yeah. I think that was my chief complaint with the fiction uh, around the game the whole yeah. thing felt very very easy I think that's really the, the main point to take away from it really is in in, in the point in compar- comparing it to Glorious Bashes because both um, works use the Nazis as trope as opposed to reality, exactly. Uh, they use them. They they use them as a signifier for evil, as opposed to a, they don't they don't necessarily take into account historical context, and a lot of it is imagined and created mm-hmm. whole cloth. But Inglorious Bastard succeeds in making uh, believable enemies that are um, interesting and uh, and compelling, and yeah. the enemies that you want to see get their comeuppance exactly you know exactly and Wolfenstein just doesn't do that you know and it doesn't create the same forward momentum in terms of pacing like you kind of spend a lot of game going on missions that you don't really understand why you're going on them exactly and my one exception to the rule was the awesome chapter that fell right in the middle of the game where you're actually in a concentration camp Mm -hmm. like that was that was the peak of the game for me Um, and it was you know it was as much shooting as any other chapter in the game but they did all of these great little set piece moments, like when you're marching in place to actually be processed, when you're working the gears of this gigantic machine that you have to then throw, like you basically like sabotage the machine. Um, all of those moments where I, as the player, had to experience atrocity mm-hmm. or you know simulated atrocity, and then immediately afterwards got to shove my knife in the neck of the evil Nazi guy. That's when it worked, and that was the peak for me. And the game's beginning and end really never hit the same peak mm-hmm. as that one chapter did. That was like my favorite chapter. And what do you think of the introduction of the kind of Yiddish character um, scientist guy? It was funny because at that point, just as the game introduced the like crazy Yiddish sphere technology thing, that's exactly when my brain had already picked up on, like, well, is this game ever going to mention the Jews? Like, is this mm-hmm. ever going to be, like, is the real atrocity of World War II, of the Nazi party, ever going to be touched upon? Mm-hmm. And you get this, like, very, you know, Yiddish, not, it, what, luckily it didn't go too far into stereotype land, mm-hmm. but this very, like, you know, yeah, Yiddish accent, mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, like, doing this, like, very... Very Billy Crystal. Yeah, very Billy. <laughs> thank you. Very Billy Crystal. It saved me, man. Um, and and it it felt more like a like a conceit. Like it felt more like, oh, we need. Yeah, we gotta like hit this. We gotta hit this mark. We mm. we just gotta hit this mark because that was the one character. Yeah. And everybody else was this. You know, and and Poland was obviously also atrociously 
slaughtered um, mm-hmm. and a terrible, terrible victim of, of not Nazi atrocity during World War II. The, the game is this like very Polish mm-hmm. fiction mm-hmm. from a Swedish yeah, studio, yeah, weirdly yeah. enough. Um, That's uh, yeah, but yeah, there was that one Jewish character, and it really it felt one black character. Yeah, it was exactly it was like <laughs> yeah. the token. We got to throw yeah. this guy in, yeah. and that's that's kind of how it felt. It didn't feel very fleshed out. Yeah, like I felt like they. I was like when he came on, I was like, okay, all right, you know, the, we're bringing, we're, we're talk, let's talk with the Jews now. But yeah, they kind of like. I feel like they're probably afraid to bro- approach it, and that's know? that's a weird thing. That I'm glad you said it. It really at times felt like they were trying not to offend Nazis, you know. Mm-hmm. Everything was just like what or is yeah or Germ- I guess or Germans like yeah. Germans uh, Germans have done a pretty incredible job as a society acknowledging the great evil in their history mm-hmm. and I I think that you by definition Nazis can be offended you know like you it's it's one of the most offendable groups mm-hmm. in history because it's one of our most evil groups in history mm-hmm. and so in that way I felt really as though I felt as though punches were being pulled by the game like yeah like maybe we shouldn't offend the group that we're historically taking the, the piss out of and shoving yeah, a knife I was like, in the I'm thinking of. I might not even have been that as much as not wanting to portray the Holocaust um, in a in any light that could then be criticized um, hmm. by, you know, by, say, any, any Jewish group who, who had heard of the game. You know, can you imagine, like, it's so easy for news to take game news and, and blow it out of proportion. Like, sure. I, I'm, I'm wondering if that was more, like, less than worrying about Nazis as much as, you know, like, portraying a Holocaust and then being like, this was, I mean, like, the rest of the game is so cartoonish. And, yeah, you it, know, is, one, it is. One note, you know, if you had then fudged that portrayal, if that would then have come back and, and hurt the game. Yeah, know? I guess there is more to lose than inaccurately portraying uh, the Holocaust versus not showing it at all. Yeah. And I feel like... You know, just on a person, like just literally, just on a, on a personal opinion note, I think the game would have been stronger with more atrocity, like mm-hmm. with more pathos, uh, with more evil. Um, but yeah, I think you bring up a really good point. I think it does come back to the uh, glorious fascist comparison because they don't really bring up the Holocaust there either. No. And even though they do have a big aspect of it being about you know Jewish persecution, being being as one of the main characters is a Jewish woman trying to survive and, and you know and in 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 hiding essentially, um, but at the same time, again it it's just because the bad guy is evil you know or because his personality his character is compelling you know as opposed to here yeah I think it was just lack of of again of compelling interesting characters you know yeah totally I think that's the, that was the game's biggest sin just lack of compelling characters because mechanically awesome I think yeah. like my sort of final takeaway from the the game was like. Super fun to play, really great like pacing in terms of the action moments of the game and the ex- exploration moments of the game. Loved that we're getting back to like health pickup type shooters and less like auto recovery type shooters, uh, but just not compelling enough. Not compelling enough in its fiction. And the and the pacing was was really drawn out in in ways that didn't benefit the story. Like you know it could have it could have been a lot better. Just having trimmed off a lot of the fat, you know, yeah. because even with the romance, you know, like, I, I liked part of the, some of it, you know, I thought it was kind of, it had some smart writing to it, you know, like, ducking out for a quick sex rut. And oh, like, yeah, that's to, right, that's next right. Next to, like, the dudes, like, uh, next to the, the other insurgents getting annoyed at them. Yep, like, yep. That there was, was cool, some, yeah, you know, it was a little writing. real, you know, like, it wasn't, like, all dreamy and, like, you know, soft-lit, like, gross polygon 
rub, rub, rub against each other. <laughs> so that did happen. <laughs> yeah. But there was like, it, but it was still like a little realer than a lot of video game romances, sure. which I thought I appreciated. And I love that she wasn't a spy. I love that they yeah. just allowed her to be. Yeah. I was waiting strong, for it. Yeah, it was a strong female character that was self-motivated. She had her own life. She had her own existence. She was a useful part of the entire resistance. And she didn't end up being a femme fatale. I was like, hats off on that decision. That was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though, I mean, she, of course, was damseled. Uh, she was damseled for, yeah. She was damseled. Um, but, yeah, she was like... She was she, never fridged. She, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, you know, kind of blessings in that case, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. And, and I liked her backstory, like, kind of the, the one that they had delivered through the audio logs. Like, oh, as, yeah. As, yeah. like, kind of the... She's like, oh, that was me the whole time, you know? <laughs> My sister was like this yeah. person killing lots of Nazis all yep. the time. Yep. But it's actually me. I mean, yeah. I was like, okay, why why couldn't she have to kill some Nazis while we were watching yeah, the exactly. game? Exactly. As opposed to go sit at the desk and type a bunch of shit, you know. Type maybe up. maybe if we're lucky, that will be the DLC. We get to That'd see her pre story as like the nasty, nasty Nazi killer. They that could was like a cool pre story, like where was that game? You know? Where was that game? Exactly. And that was like all stealth. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine that game, like a game that was centered around sneakily killing Nazis while also like going about your everyday life yeah. and like working a job and like not getting caught, like dropping a pot from the windowsill to try and hit a Nazi in the head, like you call it the banality of heroism, you know? Yeah, <laughs> well, a very normal hero. Yeah, trying nine to five. Is it, yeah, it's a hero with a nine to five. Yeah, <laughs> essentially what what her her backstory was, which is that sounds like it would be an interesting game. Yeah, but you know we we have we have we have this. With a game of the of the Wolfenstein name, you know you have to have some over the top machismo, like yep. chiseled jaw, blood and guts, and cartoonish violence. You know, I think they made a lot of headway in adding some nuance to that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think you know honestly, just from a big picture, from my final takeaways, like I would certainly recommend the game, even with the sort of shortfalls that I think the fiction of the game had I still really enjoyed playing it once I got into the mechanics of it I loved exploring every level the level design was fantastic a lot of other shooters have a lot to learn from what these what these guys pulled off it was a really 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 fun game to play yeah the, the ability to kind of um, approach engagements from different angles and kind of uh, kind of get away from guys and flank them and do and kind of interesting ways to to strategize on a fight all those things were, were in, you know, very innovative in a, in a very like kind of uh, non-innovative sphere of AAA shooters. Kind of being, just they're all they're all bad. They're all <laughs> they're really almost bad. entirely yeah. bad. They're all really bad. Um, and this was definitely the, one of the most impressive ones I've played in a long time. You know, since like you know the days of like Half Life Two and all that, yeah. where they were actually trying new things and like. Ever since you know Call of Duty, it has it's been a pretty it's been a glut, not yeah. a glut, but yeah. it's been a dearth. <laughs> no, it's been a dearth, total dearth. Um, so yeah, it was so it was definitely a change of pace, and I'd also recommend it. Yeah, I think definitely recommend it. Maybe played on easy. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It was a little bit tough, a little bit tough on normal. And a little, some parts were just like kind of didn't feel like it was. It was some parts felt like a slog because I would have to deal with some enemies that were just annoying to face, and you know, I would just die a lot and kind of brute force it. Like, I didn't feel like I was necessarily overcoming a challenge in an interesting way. Yeah, just sort of barreling through. Yeah, so I, I think it could it could have stood to be a little more um, streamlined, maybe. 
a little more maybe play tested even. Sure. Or yeah. smoothed out. A little yeah. rough in yeah. some of the, the encounters and the, and, the, and the difficulty spikes. Sure. Or just find some way to just play the <laughs> the, the the concentration camp, you know? Yeah, just drag out, make the whole game one long escape from a concentration camp. But I guess that would just be a remake of Riddick's Escape from Butcher Bay. <laughs> That couldn't be that bad. You know? No, it wasn't. And <laughs> I, yeah. cer- certainly recommend that game. It's awesome. I certainly, certainly recommend the Riddick game. So those are great. Uh, so thanks for checking us out, whoever's actually listening to this. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, so I think it was, it was good. It's a good first run. Good first run. I guess we'll see you next time.